A well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state. The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Welcome to another edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. My name is Cam Edwards. I am so glad you joined us on the program today. We are going to be talking about a uh, another poll showing really bad news for Democrats in the upcoming midterms. Now, look, a lot can happen between now and November, but... We have seen a number of polls around the country showing that the Democrats are in trouble, particularly when it comes to the gun issue. Yeah. I mean, obviously, you know, look, the generic ballot is not good news for Democrats. Uh, Inflation is not good news for Democrats. That's the top priority for American voters in poll after poll after poll right now. And Democrats and Joe Biden are underwater on that particular issue. But when it comes to specifically talking about gun control, the Democrats aren't faring any better with the American electorate. And that, I think, is significant. Uh, You know, we've seen a number of polls over the past three or four months showing that support for new gun control laws is at the lowest level in recent years, that it's just not a priority for voters. Uh, And this confirmed by a new Morning Consult Politico poll. I'm going to just focus in on a couple of key questions here. So first they asked, who do you trust more? on gun policy. Uh, and we can break down uh, the crosstabs pretty specifically, but but here's the top line number. Among registered voters, 38% said that they trust Democrats more to handle gun policy. 45% said that they trust Republicans in Congress more to handle gun policy. Now, that's outside of the polls margin of error. 17% of respondents say, nah, I don't really know. Uh, and again, you can look at these numbers and in, uh, you know, demographic after demographic, Democrats are failing to reach 50 percent, failing to reach 40 percent in a lot of circumstances. Thirty six percent of males say that uh, Democrats, uh, they trust more on gun policy. Forty percent of women. In fact, look at that. Forty percent split. Forty percent of women say they trust Democrats more in Congress. Forty percent say they trust Republicans more in Congress. Now, that is an issue where typically Women far are more supportive than men are for new gun control laws. So the fact that this is a 40-40 split in this morning consult political poll, again, I think indicates the real trouble the Democrats are in by, you know, continuing to embrace their anti-gun agenda. Uh, We can break it down by age as well. Uh, The youngest voters, 18 to 34, 42% say they trust Democrats more, 36% say they trust Republicans more. Uh, Among those 35 to 44 38% say they trust Democrats, 40% say they trust Republicans, 45 to 64%, 35% say they trust Democrats more than Republicans, 50% say that they trust Republicans more on gun policy, and then those 65 and older, 40% say they trust Democrats, 49% say they trust Republicans. What's fascinating to me about the breakdown in numbers in terms of the age demographics is that we have seen declining support in other polls for new gun control laws among the lowest voters. And it's actually the oldest voters that are more supportive of gun control measures. So this poll actually is a little bit different in terms of what the, uh, excuse me, the demographic breakdown uh, breakdown shows. We can also look at this in terms of, uh, uh, you know, the the, the education level. For example, uh, the poll found that uh, 34% of those with less than a college degree Support uh, Democrats more on gun policy. 
45% trust Republicans in Congress. Uh, when it gets to those with a bachelor's degree, it's basically split. 45% say they trust Democrats more. 44% say they trust Republicans more. Uh, post-grad, again, even split. 45% say they trust Democrats more. 45% say they trust Republicans more. So even among the the academics, right? The, the highly educated, which typically in these polls are more liberal, are not necessarily more supportive of gun control measures. Um, breaking it down in terms of the uh, income levels of the survey respondents, those making less than $50,000 a year, 38% said they trusted Democrats more, 40% said they trusted Republicans more. Those between $50,000 and $100,000 a year, 37% said they trusted Democrats more. 49% said they trusted Republicans more. Those making more than $100,000 a year, 42% said they trusted Democrats more on gun policy. 46% said they trusted Republicans more on gun policy. I mean, again, this is really, really interesting. Uh, and we can also look at, I wrote about this a couple of weeks ago, the troubles that Democrats are having in attracting rural voters. And Democrats are pretending by and large that the gun issue is not having a negative impact. When it comes to their rural voter outreach, they're talking about things like, well, you know, rural broadband. And if we just, you know, do it. Look, take a look at these numbers uh, again from the Morning Consult political poll. Urban respondents, 50 percent of urban dwellers said they trusted Democrats more on gun policy. Thirty three percent said they trusted Republicans. Now, first of all, that alone is pretty fascinating, given that in most urban areas, Republicans don't get 33 percent of the vote. So this tells me that there is actually an inroad that Republicans can be making in big urban areas by using the issue of violent crime and by using the issue of your right of self-defense. Whether our Republicans do that or not, I guess remains to be seen. Among suburban voters, 38% say they trust Democrats more than Republicans to set gun policy. 45% say they trust Republicans more than Democrats to do the same. And then we get to those rural numbers, and it's brutal for Democrats. Just 30% of survey respondents said that they trust Democrats to set gun policy, compared to 53% of rural respondents who said that they trust Republicans. Again, a 23-point gap between the parties. And you can't tell me that this is not an issue that is important to rural voters. I live in rural America. I know how important an issue it is to rural voters. And I know the damage that Democrats are doing to their party and to the future of electing rural Democrats by continuing to insist that the way to make big cities safer places is to make it harder for Americans everywhere to exercise their right to keep and bear arms. That is having a devastating impact on Democrats' electoral fortunes in uh, rural areas. I think it's having an impact on uh, uh, suburban voters as well. And I do think that it is, to one degree or another, helping to drive down voter enthusiasm for Democrats, even in these deep blue Democrat-controlled cities. Now, the poll also asked how important of a priority should various issues be for Congress? And this is kind of interesting because, again, Republicans trusted more than Democrats on gun policy, uh, according to this morning consult political poll. But when this survey asked the specific question, how important of a priority should passing legislation placing additional restrictions on gun ownership be? So this is specifically asking about more gun control laws. 
What they found was that 29% of registered voters said it should be a top priority. Another 22% said it should be an important but lower priority. Now, note, you add up 29 and 22, you don't get to 50%, right? So less than half of voters say that more gun control laws should be a priority for Congress, whether a top priority or even just a, you know, a, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a second tier topic. Now, when Politico and Morning Consult asked that same question about inflation, more than 70% of respondents said that it was important to one degree or another for Congress to tackle inflation, reducing the national deficit. Again, about 70% of voters to one degree or another said, yes, that's an important consideration. Uh, even Democrat wish list items like uh, health care reform, uh, far more popular, even among Democratic voters, than prioritizing new gun control laws, which, by the way, I don't think is going to get through Congress. The concern, though, is that there are enough Democrats who do want to make gun control a priority to one degree or another, that the Biden administration is going to have to continue to try to work with them and try to appease them and try to excite them and get them to turn out this November. And the way to do that, if you can't get gun control legislation through Congress, is to use the power of the executive branch of government, right? And that's what we're seeing Joe Biden do. Uh, we talked yesterday about the $1.7 billion in new spending that Biden is proposing for the ATF uh, in an attempt to weaponize that agency. We are seeing the agency go after gun stores for minor paperwork errors. Uh, ATF just revoked the firearms license of a uh, uh, company called uh, Jimenez Arms. Uh, and uh, we'll probably be talking more about that, by the way, uh, at Bearing Arms. This is a company that a uh, number of its firearms have been traced back to crime scenes. Uh, every town for gun safety sued, basically claiming like, uh, you know, th th these are just like Saturday night specials. Right. And the only reason this company exists is to arm criminals. Uh, the lawsuit, I don't think actually concluded, but the uh, ATF carrying every town's water and revoking the firearms license for uh, Jimenez Arms. And again, they're going to try to do more of this. Between now and Election Day, and certainly after Election Day as well, if given the opportunity, because they cannot distance themselves from their support for more restrictions on our right to keep and bear arms. No matter how unpopular it might be among the electorate at large, it is still an incredibly popular idea among the Democratic base. And in a election in which Democrats are going to try to motivate every one of their base to turn out to try to keep Democrats in control of Congress by razor thin margins, but still in control of Congress. Yeah, Democrats can't afford to tick off anti-gun activists and have them sit out the midterms. So unfortunately, despite the fact that the American public are sending signal after single, a uh, single, excuse me, signal after signal. Hands off our right to keep and bear arms. Uh, I don't think the Biden administration can afford to listen to what the electorate is saying because they are still trying to appease their base. Now, let's turn our attention to today's armed citizen story. Every good deed of the day and our recidivist report. We'll start there with a story out of Asheville, North Carolina, where uh, my colleague Tom Knighton actually reported a few weeks ago that violent crime in Asheville is up, but Gun violence is down dramatically in Asheville. In fact, there have been no homicides in which a firearm has been used in Asheville, North Carolina. What we are seeing, though, again, is an increase in number of violent crimes, including a double shooting in Asheville 
uh, allegedly committed by someone who is no stranger to the law, unfortunately. Fox Carolina reports that uh, police responded to shooting at a home around 340 Wednesday afternoon. They found two victims at the scene who were taken to a local hospital with serious injuries. They also found the suspect nearby, a guy named 48-year-old, or a guy named Demarcus Antonio Royal. He's 48. He was taken into custody. He's been charged with discharging a fireman, city limits, possession of a fire by a felon, two counts of assault with a deadly weapon, inflicting serious injury with intent to kill, as well as two counts of attempted murder. Now, police say that Royal had six open warrants for probation violations, as well as one for resisting, delaying, or obstructing a police officer. And again, a previous felony conviction to his name as well. We don't know exactly when that felony conviction took place or how much time he served behind bars for that felony conviction. But again, once again, the alleged perpetrator of a violent crime, somebody well-known to law enforcement, we talk about this all the time here in Bearing Arms Cam and Company. This is not rocket science. If you want to impact violent crime, you want to make cities a safer place, you don't go after law-abiding gun owners. You don't go after people who are, again, trying to follow the law. It makes no sense. You go after the much smaller number of individuals out there who are known to police, who are known to the courts, and frankly, who are known to the communities that they're preying upon. And that's where you start. You take those individuals off the streets. You don't give them plea bargains. You put them behind bars for as long as the law allows because they have proven themselves to be incapable of being out in public without causing a danger to others. And when you do that, when you make that a focused priority to deter the most violent offenders, Dramatic results can happen. I'm talking about 50% reductions in homicide rates. We've seen this around the country. problem for Democrats right now is that it involves prosecutions. It involves prison time. It involves getting tough on crime. And no matter how much Democrats might proclaim that, oh, we don't want to defund the police, we don't want to reimagine police, we don't want to reimagine public safety, they are still very, very reluctant to adopt these policies that actually lead to violent criminals being incarcerated for a long amount of time. They view that as an injustice and not, again, as a valuable public safety tool. Today's Armed Citizen story from New Orleans, Louisiana. And this one, I got to tell you, I mean, this, this one, I'm always glad to see people who are able to protect themselves with a firearm. But there are some circumstances where you just think to yourself, gosh, man, I wish that didn't happen. And this is one of those. Uh, a father in uh, St. Rose, Louisiana fatally shooting his son, who tried to attack him. Yeah, I know. Uh, according to the New Orleans Advocate, the uh, shooting in St. Charles Parish happened on Tuesday night, about 530. The 21-year-old son was wearing a bullet-resistant vest. He had a handgun when he went to his parents' home. He began arguing with his mom. Uh, police haven't said what that argument was about. But the man's father returned home at some point. The argument apparently escalated. That's when the son drew his gun, and that's when his father had to draw his own. Deputies found the son with more than one gunshot wound inside the house. He was pronounced dead at the scene. Now that the man's mother or father were injured, case is under investigation, but uh, it does look like a case of self-defense at this point. Police say the son had a history of mental illness, had been committed for treatment multiple times. Authorities had had numerous previous contacts with the man, according to the uh, parish sheriff's office. And again, we'll, we'll keep an eye out on the story. Uh, it is just a heartbreaking story to read. You know, it, it, it's 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 never a good thing 
when somebody is forced to act in self-defense. I mean, that's that's never really a cause for celebration because, I mean, somebody's life was in jeopardy. But when you are forced to defend yourself against somebody you love, against somebody you, you, you've cared for their entire life, against somebody who you have tried to help, somebody who you held in your arms as a baby and now they're attacking you and you have to kill them to protect yourself and your wife. I mean, I cannot imagine the heartbreak that this family must be going through. I am glad that he was able to protect himself and his wife, but I am just, I'm heartbroken for the family that, uh, again, the system wasn't able to help this young man. Multiple commitments, multiple contacts with law enforcement. And apparently none of that, none of it, led to that 21-year-old getting the help and the treatment that he needed. And as a result, we saw this uh, heartbreaking situation. Now, today's uh, good deed of the day, Cary, North Carolina, where a police officer and an athletic trainer recently reunited with the man that they helped save a few months ago. This was um, a, a, a really heartwarming uh, occasion. This was at Green Hope High School. Last February, a guy named Robert Gresham Sr. had gone to the school to see his granddaughter. Uh, she was performing at a cheerleading event. So Gresham's up in the bleachers. He's in there with his son, and he just starts to not feel well at all. So his son helps him down the stairs to go into the bathroom. Uh, Rob Gresham Jr. said he remembers his dad getting weaker by the minute, and he said, I helped my dad, and I said, are you okay? And he said, no, I'm, I'm not. Um, he was having a heart attack. And uh, his son says, I thought I saw the life leave his body. Well, it just so happens that Brian Smith, who's a police officer in Cary and a former resource officer at the school, was there on campus, and he saw what was going on. And he came over, started checking Robert Gresham Sr.'s pulse. He said he didn't have one. So I immediately went into CPR mode. Uh, Eric Hall, who is an athletic trainer there at the high school, also saw what's going on. He ran over with an automated external defibrillator. Uh, wasn't needed, thankfully. Smith's CPR uh, was uh, enough to revive Gresham, who has since recovered. And again, this week, the school uh, put on what they had called a uh, an event to honor, quote, excellence in service. And it was really a surprise to reunite Gresham uh, with uh, both Eric Hall and Officer Smith. Smith said, uh, quote, I was just doing my job that day, and I'm glad that God put me where he did that day. He says, I, I know it was God that uh, had me in his hands. So in the right place, at the right time, Will and able to do the right thing. Uh, Eric Hall and Brian Smith, we thank you very much for your very good deeds. By the way, Smith received an award for outstanding performance in an emergency situation. And uh, coming up next week, Eric Hall is actually going to be named the State Athletic Director of the Year. So uh, more accolades coming their way. All right, that's going to do it for this edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. I want to thank you for being a part of the program as always. Don't forget to check out the website, bearingarms.com, for even more Second Amendment news and information that you need to know about throughout the day. 
We could see, by the way, constitutional carry signed into law in Georgia, perhaps as early as tomorrow. The state house uh, approved the final version of constitutional carry on Wednesday. Senate is in recess, I believe, until Friday morning. So, fingers crossed that Friday, Georgia becomes the 25th constitutional carry state. We'll let you know all about it at BarryingArms.com. Don't forget to become a, a VIP subscriber to Barry Arms. If you like what you see, just go to BarryingArms.com slash subscribe. Use the promo code GUNRIGHTS, and you can get a significant savings on your VIP membership. As our way of saying thanks, we're going to give you exclusive analysis, content, news stories you won't find anywhere else because your support really does make a difference. It does matter. We'll see you next week here on Cam & Company. Until then, be well. Be safe. Be free.